0: The last page has been turned in my most recent read but I am actually going to be talking about a book I finished at the beginning of the week and I immediately picked up the next volume in the series. Right now I am reaching the crescendo of the final book in this trilogy and I have been slowing my roll just a little so that I can actually sink into the ending. To be honest I am not sure that I actually want it to end. I have had a really unusual week, hence reading one book after the other, and a different book at bedtime. Yes, I am one of those people. I haven't been sleeping much, admittedly, which is why I was able to finish the books I did. I'm actually taking a brief step away from the fantasy and cosy crime combo this week, and instead heading towards a futuristic world in outer space. So here I am, no spoilers, as opinion-filled as ever, when am I not, and ready to roll. All of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I take a very long journey to a broken down and overpopulated spaceship fleeing a greedy and murderous corporation in the first of the Illuminae Files trilogy, Illuminae, by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and ex-coffee addict. Might have to take that off soon, it's been over a year. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile, seriously, it is getting big, and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. week, I have been incredibly disciplined. Seriously, when it comes to the purchase of new books, I haven't even dared to look at the Waterstones website to participate in their double and triple points Black Friday sale. Because with Christmas coming up and an expensive hair appointment on the horizon, yay, watch as my hair becomes seriously more purple, I need to be a little bit more sensible There's that word again, sensible. I guess sometimes it has to happen, right? Katie thought breaking up with Ezra was the worst thing she'd ever been through. That was before her planet was invaded. Now, with enemy fire raining down on them, Katie and Ezra are forced to fight their way onto one of the evacuating craft with an enemy warship in hot pursuit. But the warship could be the least of their problems. A deadly plague has broken out and is mutating with terrifying results. The fleet's AI, which should be protecting them, may be their biggest threat, and nobody in charge will say what's really going on. As Katie plunges into a web of data hacking to get the truth, it's clear only one person can help her bring it all to light. Ezra. Told through a fascinating dossier of hacked documents, including emails, schematics, military files, IMs, medical reports, interviews and more, Illuminate is the first book in a heart-stopping, high-octane trilogy about lives interrupted, the price of truth and the courage of everyday heroes. It's a pretty ordinary day on Carenza 4. Life is trundling on as usual, with people headed into the mine and the kids at school going to class. Katie is in class when it happens. Across the room is her boyfriend, her ex-boyfriend, Ezra, someone she can't stop thinking about even though she knows that they broke up for the right reasons. Unfortunately, it seems that today isn't going to be the best day for anyone, because suddenly alarms are going off and ships they don't recognise are flying overhead. Before anyone can react, a full-scale invasion is taking place. People are being shot, buildings bombed, and Katie knows that she has to escape. She jumps into her truck and just as she's about to drive away, desperate to reach the hospital and ensure her mother, a doctor, is still safe, she sees Ezra. Around them people are dying and fleeing, panicked for their lives. And she stops for a moment and opens the door. They manage to reach an escape point, though not before Ezra is shot. Ezra's injury means that he is taken to, with other injured people, to the Alexander, a United Terran Authority spaceship, while Katie is transported to the Hypatia, a science and research vessel. Separated from the only person she knows and initially unsure if her mother has survived or not, KD does a bit of digging around the Hypatia, or at least their computer systems, trying to find out what's going on and what has happened down on Carenza 4. On the Alexander, Ezra is forcibly recruited into the UTA as a fighter pilot, and after incredibly short training, he is placed in a difficult situation when he is ordered to fire on the third ship in their armada, the Copernicus. This is the moment when you realise there is something incredibly wrong with the Alexander, though Captain Torrance is doing his best to hide it from everyone and will do anything he can to prevent anyone from learning the truth, up to and including putting two of his higher-ranked officers in front of a firing squad, which, when I first read it, it was so brutal, but then I remembered this was a time of war and it sounds horrible and it really is horrible but when you're trying to protect thousands of people you have to sacrifice the few for the many which is an argument that does come up later it seems that the onboard AI Aiden is functional but faulty after narrowly avoiding destruction above Carenza 4. Aidan believes he was acting in the best interests of the rest of the survivors when he ordered Copernicus and its residents eliminated, for they are carrying with them a plague that spreads quickly, a plague that the research department at BITEC created and delivered to ensure that there were no witnesses to their unsanctioned illegal invasion of Carenza IV. Unfortunately, his predictions are ignored and after he is shut down and a few hundred survivors are on board the Alexander, the plague begins to spread and pretty quickly. On the Hypatia, Katie has been determined as unfit for duty and she made sure that that was the case because she doesn't want to get involved. She wants to dig and do her own investigation. So she is left somewhat to her own devices, giving her far more time to spy and nose and subtly run interference, desperately trying to discover what is really going on, because it's clear something is. When Ezra is suddenly killed in action, Katie is devastated. She is now alone and has nothing to lose. For as a doctor, her mother was on board the Copernicus, helping to heal or try to heal the afflicted. She will continue to dig and stick her nose into the business of the ranked officers, all the while remaining re- relatively anonymous. With the plague spreading on the Alexander and the crew of the Hypatia aware that they are they are in a troublesome situation, it looks as though all hope is lost. The enemy is gaining on them, and if they can't build more distance between them and the Lincoln, a ship owned and run by Bitech Industries, then the rescue was all for nothing. Despite the fact that it initially seems she is only really thinking about herself in a way that could be considered rather insulting to a lot of teenagers, Katie is lured across to the Alexander and ends up stealing a ship to get there. But is one person enough to defeat the heavily funded and strongly resourced Bitech staff on the Lincoln and save their mission? Or is it all going to be for nothing? From the delivery of two really beautiful proofs this week one for an upcoming read along and the other just because I requested it there haven't been any more book deliveries yeah I know I was kind of shocked too and that's probably a good thing as my TBR continues to grow and I really need to try and get some sort of handle on it maybe with the book buying ban back on full force I think that I'm doing quite well And it's not as though I don't have plenty of incredible books on the TBR to look forward to. In comparison with the Cozy Crime book from last week, Illuminae is a bit of a chunky baby at 599 pages. In fact, the entire series is nearly 2,000 pages in total. However, there are reasons why I found it a quick read that weren't entirely related to the fact that it really is an absorbing story. But I will go into those later. This book was first released in October 2015 and it doesn't look as though it went through the whole hardback to paperback rigmarole, though several different issues with similar covers are available depending on where you're located. After the gorgeous covers and sprayed edges I managed to get when I picked up the Aurora Cycle, though being honest, the whole sprayed edge thing was actually a massive surprise when I opened the box, ignoring the colour scheme used, the Illuminae file books kind of give off a sort of school science book vibe, and here's me not doing the whole "judge a book by its cover" thing, though it is proving quite tough. As with pretty much every single book I have purchased over the last few years, I didn't check this series out on any website before I went ahead and, and ordered it. In fact, I bought it on the recommendation of the same Instagrammer who suggested I take a look at Aurora. She's a big fan of Christoph's work, and while I have yet to purchase any of his solo projects, I felt it was time for me to read another science fiction series, as it's actually been almost three months since I read the last one. Though I also have the second and third books in the Skyward series by Brandon Sanderson to read, I do keep on putting those off in favour of even bigger books, though I'm, I'm not sure why. It might just be that I want to reread Skyward before I read the other two. Talking of checking out books before you buy, I am never going to say don't, especially if you really aren't sure. But it's not something I do personally, having been burnt far too many times by reviews that spoil the ending, reveal the killer or the big plot twist. I guess I am just too weak, (laughs) seriously, and find it too difficult to resist the this review has been hidden as it contains spoilers warning. Don't be a me. Resist the urge. Finding out the twist makes the reading experience less of one, and it's exactly why I don't check out the reviews before I've read the book. I honestly think that reviews are a really good reflection, though, of how different we all are. You only have to look at a couple of forums to see the debates on things like Marvel versus DC, or, if we're talking books, Fourth Wing and A Court of Thorns and Roses. While some will love one of them, others will be just as passionate about the other, and some might just like both and sit on the fence. Having recently read a lot of very popular books on Goodreads, I wasn't sure what to expect when I went to look through the reviews of Illuminae. As always, I do want to give you a balanced perspective Because hearing views from both ends of the spectrum is important. A five star and a one star are going to help you decide or not decide just as well as reading every single review. Sure, I may not share their views and they may have found something entirely different in the book when they read it. But that doesn't make their opinion or mine any less valid. This is how we all felt about it. Of course, as I always say, don't let any of these reviews, including mine, sway you if you've already made your decision. Tilly gave the book 1.5 stars, but downrated it to 1 on Goodreads and said, This book literally confused the hell out of me. I'm not kidding. About more than half of the time I spent with this book, I had simply no idea what was even going on. This was mostly due to the execution of its unique format. Let me just say that in the beginning, I thought that this format would be something I absolutely love, and I still think that at least its look is really nice, but that was mostly everything I liked about it. Sad, but true. Nearly every time where a new weird diagram, chat history, or something else was introduced, I was still wondering what happened before... Maybe it would have been a good idea to use only one special format to make it a bit more easy to follow, but for me there were far too many. At first I thought that the beginning was supposed to be confusing, that I would get more explanation when the story goes on, but unfortunately that wasn't the case at all. Apart from the format, I also had a very difficult time to sympathise with the two main characters. Both of them, especially the girl, were these typical YA characters which I'm honestly really tired of reading about. At first, they are just whiny and annoying teenagers who are mostly thinking about their broken relationship, even in dangerous situations, and then suddenly they are the heroes of the story. I also just don't think that the book gives enough information about the backstory of their relationship to make me, as a reader, really care for it. However, I don't want to rant on and on, but I can honestly say that this book was not my cup of tea at all. Of course, that does not mean that it's necessarily bad for everyone. I actually know a lot of people here on Goodreads who love this book. What is perfectly okay? But I can't ignore the fact that it confused and annoyed me more than it entertained me. I have to be honest, I had to scroll through several pages of reviews and expand the view to find a one star review that wasn't someone stating that they had DNF'd the book at a specific percentage because they didn't like the format and weren't enjoying it. As I have said so many times before, I am not a huge fan of DNF-related ratings, but everyone has a right to voice their opinion, and that's what they're doing. I do understand where these reviewers are coming from. This book is clearly like Marmite. And if you aren't British and don't get that particular reference, let me know. I love to read book reviews once I've finished a book. It's actually quite entertaining though the reviews for some genres are more amusing and carefully thought out than others. As I was searching for a non-DNF1 star for Illuminae, I found a considerable number that were full of memes, quotes, and little snippets as well as pictures of pages from the book. There were also several that contained massive spoilers, so you know I just had to move away from those quickly, even though I have already finished the book. Reading reviews can be a learning experience. It could be that they've noticed something that I missed, perhaps a plot point that I didn't consider important, more likely, uh, that's foreshadowing something world-changing that comes later. Since it was released in 2015, Illuminae has attracted 149,422 ratings and 29,644 reviews on Goodreads. Distribution of those reviews is definitely skewed towards the higher end of the scale, with 81% or 122,216 of the almost 150,000 readers enjoying the book enough to give it a 4 or 5 star rating, while 5% or 9,026 readers gave it 1 and 2 star ratings and reviews. On Goodreads, the overall score for the book is an impressive 4.25, no doubt influenced by more than 70,000 five-star scores. Fantasy tends to be the genre that attracts higher reviews. However, science fiction does seem to be creeping up there with a higher number of ratings and reviews than many other genres, including cosy crime and memoirs, though I guess the latter is rather hard to review as they are about personal experiences and lives and how can you rate someone's life. When I looked through the one-star reviews for Illuminate, the vast majority of them were actually readers who hadn't finished the book, citing specific issues with the formatting and the storytelling, many of which are highlighted in Tilly's review. There were a few confusing ones, including the review stating they were going to rate the book three or four stars and ended up giving it one with no indication as to why. Obviously, this is a review that I chose not to use because if I was confused by it, then no doubt others would be too. At the other end of the scale, Chelsea gave Illuminae an effusive five stars and reviewed the book twice. She said updated thoughts. Okay, so I've calmed down a bit, and I'm feeling better about this. It's amazing how many different forms this book took. In the beginning, I was intrigued, but felt it was a little slow-moving, partially due to so many technical sci-fi-ish terms and the choppy format. Amazing how it could feel so hindering yet unique at the same time. Once the stage was set, though, I had a really hard time putting this down. I had no idea how many twists and turns I was in for, and I really had no idea how emotional of a ride this would be. I'm glad I put this one off until I already had Gemina on hand, as I didn't realise these were more of a companion novel than a linear series, as time really can't be trusted in these books. All I can say is... If by some miracle you haven't read this yet, stop reading reviews and just pick up the book. Don't let anyone ruin this for you. Also, I now understand the emotions previous readers feel while seeing the new readers' status updates along the way. My poor heart is still trying to recover from the whiplash this book gave me. Thanks a lot, guys. Original thoughts. What did I just read? My feelings are feeling all of the feelies right now, and how dare you leave me hanging like that? Just kidding. I had the next book on my shelf. My words aren't working right now, but this started out as one book and then turned into another. I feel like I've been privileged to these characters' most intimate details, and it makes me slightly uncomfortable in the best way. I'll think on this and try to write a real review with words and thoughts and things. Mind blown. P.S., make this a movie. As is obvious from the two vastly different reviews I've included here, everyone has an opinion, and when it comes to books, they can be incredibly different. This time, the points that were made by those who gave it a lower rating were incredibly consistent, sharing many of the same opinions, while those who enjoyed it found different points to like and comment on. Of course, What I want and need from a book differs depending on the day. And what I'm looking for is not necessarily going to be the same as someone else. Right now, I am looking for escapism. Just getting absorbed in the story and drifting off into another universe. As is the case with this particular series. Sometimes I think it would be really nice to have an idea of what other readers were thinking when they chose the book they reviewed. What were they looking for? Did they want escapism Were they already familiar with the author? Was it an impulse buy? All of these things can contribute to the review that they end up writing and can make it a little easier to understand where they're coming from when they rate the book. There are always going to be a few people who see the same things in a book, but there are so many plot lines, characters and twists that can take place before it becomes far too convoluted, so this is hardly surprising. I guess this is why I think that you have to take every review you read with a pinch of salt. If you're looking for a book recommendation, then I am always happy to help. But as with many things, reading is very personal. I have a very long list of books that I will always suggest when someone asks. So if you're searching for your next read and only have just a little bit of time to find something, maybe you're in an airport (laughs) bookshop, then start by thinking about the TV shows and book and films you've enjoyed and the sort of books you've already read and go from there. Whenever someone asks me, what do you think I should read? And it happens far more often than you'd think, especially when I'm in the office. I start by asking them what they like and go from there. It's not a guaranteed method for finding your next favourite read, but it's a good place to start. There is no guarantee, of course, that any book you're recommended is going to be in your top 10, but it's worth taking that risk. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views. Let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, completely spoiler free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? I think that I was slightly more prepared for the type of content that is included in Illuminae because I had already read and finished The Aurora Cycle. However, if I had picked up this series first, I would probably have found the formatting and writing style a little bit jarring and difficult to adjust to. If you're unfamiliar with this series, then perhaps I need to explain Illuminae and the other two books in the trilogy are written using a combination of artistic styles. It's told in an epistolary style with interviews, reports, emails, diary entries, IM platforms, forums and storyboards, all of which make it a rather difficult book to compare to others. However, this is a creative style that I found made it fascinating. I will admit that when I initially started reading it and found myself having to turn the books at different angles to read the spiral of text that was used to explain a situation and provide you with an image of how it may appear, it was a little bit perplexing. I have never read a book like this one, well, until I picked up Gemina anyway. I have to be honest and say that the reason behind the writing style and the way that the story is actually told doesn't become clear until probably a third of the way through the third book. For that reason, I am not going to go into a detailed explanation of it, because that would definitely be considered a huge spoiler. There is quite a catalogue of characters in the book, though the central protagonists are two teenagers, Katie Grant and Ezra Mason, Once upon a time, they were love's young dream, but then, for no reason that Ezra can understand, though Katie probably did mention it, she ended the relationship. Of course, this is just the beginning of their story, because no sooner have they broken up than they are forced to work together to survive, after their planet, Carenza IV, the site of an illegal mine, is invaded by a greedy corporation looking to take over, Stress like this does things to people, and the two, who it seemed could barely talk to each other towards the end of their year-long relationship, have to work together to not only get off the planet, but also survive. It's made clear from the very beginning of the book that Katie is a bright girl who has an affinity for computers and has ambitions that extend beyond the icy edges of Carenza 4. She works hard, gets good grades, and despite the... S- fact that she is clearly and understandably terrified at the situation she finds herself in she is absolutely a survivor i admittedly found her a little bit annoying at times but she knows what she wants and she strives to do everything she can to get there she occasionally pauses to contemplate the consequences because it's no longer as simple as making a single coding error and failing an exam there is so much more at stake I admire the fact that she stays true to herself, but she can also come across as rather selfish. With nothing left to lose, she ignores direct instructions from the people in charge and puts others at risk. Ezra is far less complicated than Katie. Like her, he is left with nothing when they evacuate Carenza 4, He has been shot, and Katie not only accosts a group of invading soldiers to get him to the help he desperately needs so he doesn't bleed out, but he watches as the mine where his father has been working is covered in an angry cloud that is very obviously not atmospheric. Despite having to come to terms with the loss of his father, he knows that they both have to survive, and he is willing to do anything needed to ensure that that is the case. Having been separated from Katie because he required medical attention, Ezra is allowed time to recover, though not much, before he is conscripted by the United Terran Authority, or UTA. He is athletic, fit, strong, and has nothing left to lose and everything to gain. And with the UTA having suffered severe hits to their full strength, they have no choice but to encourage, for that, read make, the refugees from Carenza 4 replace those losses. Though he's not exactly enthusiastic, Ezra accepts his lot and makes an effort to make friends with those he is going to be working with. Out of the two, he is far more personable than Katie, and it seems as though he just wants to get through the experience without causing too many ructions. I found that Ezra, for all that he lacked a lot of depth, was a loyal friend and someone you know you could absolutely trust to have your back. He feels a lot and that makes him likeable. He and Katie balance each other out and that's why they sort of work together as a couple and as conspirators, I suppose. They both know grief and while Ezra seems to cope with it that much better, it's still there and you can see that he simply doesn't want to lose anyone else and do, will do what he can, whatever he can, to prevent that from happening. He is a gung-ho, all guns blazing kind of guy and that comes across from the very beginning. There are truly a lot of characters in this book, soldiers, invaders, ship captains, parents, children, and then there is Aiden. I truly do not know why. Okay, I I sort of do, I suppose. But Aiden is my favorite character in the book. This will probably sound weirder when I tell you that Aiden is a somewhat psychotic, howl like artificial intelligence that runs one of the rescue ships, the Alexander, at least until his programming turns against the very people he is meant to protect and he sends cyclone fighters to attack and blow up the Copernicus, killing thousands of refugees and UTA staff. The book touches upon the horror of war and the terrifying decisions that people have to make when there is a lot at stake. Torrance didn't want to make those decisions, even when presented with the information that thousands of people on the Copernicus were suffering from a horrific disease spread with a single breath, sending the people into violent insanity. The prospect that this disease could spread to the other ships, and further once they reach the Heimdall, was enough for Aiden to take the decision away from the humans who wouldn't be able to live with it. There is a certain logic behind it, which sounds awful, just as there was behind the snap in Infinity War, another story altogether, but that doesn't make it any easier to live with All right. As a computer, albeit one that's growing and learning every day, Aiden is unfamiliar with emotion. He doesn't feel, well... He didn't. And then he discovers love when he meets Katie. The relationship between Katie and Aiden is strangely sweet in its innocence. Yes, he is a deadly computer. And what he has done is incredibly horrific, terrifying. But as the book continues, we get to know that he works using mathematical equations. And when stripping the emotion out of things... Decisions are far easier to make, though they aren't looking at anything other than the bottom line. So if I were asked to pick, I would say that throughout the entire series, I mean, all three books, Aiden is my favourite character. While they all grow and learn, he has the furthest to come, and we see a considerable number of the events through his eyes, the cameras on the various ships he is allowed to make his home, And he develops into a character who is finally able to understand, to a degree at least, why humans do what they do. He has to make the hard decisions that they are struggling to make. Initially, I wasn't a huge fan of the way that the book was written. The fact that from one page to the next, the style could change. Something that admittedly becomes more obvious when I reached the third book The diary entries, the observational reports, spirals of text, images and pages of Aidan's broken self-reflection all felt confusing. However, the more I read, the more appealing it became. It took time, but I was finally able to get into the story and become involved in the events on the Alexander and the Hypatia. Once I had read a few chapters, the unique way that the story was told and continues through the other two books became clearer and started to make much more sense. I have read my way through almost the entire trilogy in a few days and honestly think that if you like a story that is told using multiple techniques, has some incredibly creative artwork using code, broken words and binary, then definitely give this book a try. I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it and initially did not find it as enjoyable as the Aurora cycle, which is why I purchased this series in the first place, but it's proving just as enjoyable and absorbing. What surprised me most about the book... I guess the thing that surprised me the most was that despite the epistolary style the authors chose to use, I was still drawn into the book and wanted to read more and more, so much so that it took me only a few hours to finish this one. Though there were a few moments when I didn't think I would be given the opportunity to get to know the characters because of the to and fro in the writing style, this didn't prove to be the case, for which I Admit, I am incredibly relieved. Another big surprise for me was how much I liked Aiden. To start with, I thought that he was a plot device added to serve a single purpose and wouldn't appear again. But oh boy, I was so wrong on that score. Aiden quickly became a character I longed to see the return of. He was the scapegoat, an excuse for the weak management of those in charge. And in a way, I think that can be used as a reason to sort of forgive him. If you're looking for something like this or you loved this and want something else, then you'll love these. Admittedly, I haven't read many science fiction novels over the last few years. Though, if I am going to be completely honest, I haven't read that many in my lifetime. However, those I have, I did enjoy. So let's take a quick trip and look at that list. I have to start with the series that led me to this one despite the fact that the Illuminae Files was released first. The Aurora Cycle, made up of Aurora Rising, Aurora Burning, and Aurora's End. And that is actually a little bit of a tongue twister after a while. It's fantastically written, and though I have never been a real fan of time travel, the trilogy did it really well. If you want to find out what I thought of the book that kicked the series off... Give that episode a listen and I will link it in the episode notes below. Strong heroines are a good thing, as are strong heroes. Skyward, the first in a tetralogy by Brandon Sanderson, definitely presents you with that in Spencer, a girl who longs to be a pilot and will do anything, including suffer through torment and prejudice to reach the stars. The rest of the series is on my TBR and I am looking forward to finishing it at some point in the near future. If you want to read something a little funny and off the wall, then why not try something by Douglas Adams, Tom Holt or even the creators of Red Dwarf, Doug Naylor and Rob Grant, who are both creating offshoots of the original creation separately. The last week has been rather a quiet one. I haven't had many knocks on the door, and though I have been very tempted to order something new, I have resisted the urge and just gone to my bookcase and picked something off that instead. That's how I found myself opening Illuminae, closely followed by Gemina, and now I am in the final throes of Obsidio. This coming week, I am taking part in a new tandem read-along, and the book arrived yesterday, and I am really looking forward to it as it looks like a nice, lighthearted story that will distract me from the harsh realities of life, of which there are currently far too many. I'm fully aware that many of you may have expected the topic for this week to be the wonderful bookshops and bone dust, which I finished last week. But as I have yet to talk about Legends and Lattes, I think that I might cover both of those in in the new year so there's something for you to look forward to and me for that matter because I might have to reread them. I know that I am on a self-imposed book buying ban but that doesn't stop me from thinking about what to add to my shelves at some point in the not too distant future. Books are a happy place for me introducing me to new worlds new adventures and characters to fall in and out of love with which I seem to be doing a little bit more of late. So if you have any book recommendations, please email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram where I post pictures of my current and planned reads. Don't forget, if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, you can sign up to my newsletter on my website beingbookish.co.uk. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining me on this transgalactic journey. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends, family and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you might listen. You can follow me on Instagram and threads as being bookishpod on TikTok as being Bookish Reviews, and on X as being underscore bookish. Or you can check out my website for the podcast back catalogue and full written spoiler-free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I have a few things left to do before I begin another week at work, including finishing Obsidio and Death and Croissants, two more different books you probably couldn't find unless you were really searching. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.